Welcome to Afternoon Tea with Casey Women's Ministry. Let's just uh, fake wrap it because I can't wrap, <laughs> but we'll try. Welcome to Afternoon Tea with Casey Women's Ministry. Here today is Brittany Brownell and Madison Hobbs. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brittany. I'm the weird, crazy one. Don't mind me over here. <laughs> I am a certified birth and bereavement doula with still birthday. Um, I am also a certified birth photographer. I know I don't throw that one out there that often, but I'm a certified birth photographer and I love it. I am working on um, being certified for yoga <laughs> Yay! as well. Madison. <laughs> Um, I'm also a certified birth and bereavement doula through still birthday. I'm a trained postpartum doula and I am the doula operations director with KCWM. Whoop, 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 whoop. She does all our doula stuff, all our doula stuff. <laughs> so if you come and work with KC Women's Ministry and you're a doula for us, you will have a lot of interactions with Madison. <laughs> you may or may not have interactions with me. I don't know. <laughs> Well, as as one of our busiest doulas, I would hope that they interact with you because they'll probably be on a team with you. But. That's very true. That's very true. I, I am on the majority. I am on a lot of teams. You really are. And I love it. I love it too. As long as my husband's open to it, you know, like not this week. <laughs> <laughs> Some weeks are easier than others for everyone. Yeah. Some weeks are. Some weeks are. So let's jump into our topic today. <laughs> of um, cesarean birth and the different types. You're probably going, is there really enough for a video over the different of cesarean birth? Why, yes, yes, there are. Come and watch our video and learn about the different types of <laughs> cesarean birth. Woo, you'd think I had some sugar or something. Oh, wait, I did. I had a cookie. <laughs> oh, now it all makes sense. But yes, you abs, oh my goodness, there's definitely enough material to talk about the different kinds of cesareans. Um, there, there are so many options. And I think when we go over our birth plans with our clients and we talk about cesareans, um, like what, what do we really need to talk about with that? There's so many things. There's so, so many things with cesarean. So let's start with... Um, you know, planned versus emergent, you know, why might we need a cesarean birth? Let's just start there because a lot of people are going to be going and myself included before I became a doula and learned these things. Why would I ever plan a cesarean? You know, why would I want, want that? Um, yeah. well, there are lots of reasons why you might want it. And we kind of briefly touched on those reasons, um, in a video, not too long ago about the different types of delivery, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, um, in our timeline, half an hour ago. <laughs> yes. Um, in it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It should be a couple weeks ago now in, um, in the timeline of YouTube. So <laughs> rain it in, rain it in. Let's make so it fun. Reasons why we might have a cesarean. Um, medical reasons might include um, baby's growth. Maybe there's concerns that baby's too small um, to withstand labor. Maybe baby is too big. Um, we could be having premature labor um, and it would be safer for baby to deliver via C-section rather than vaginal delivery so they can be quickly taken to the, uh, the NICU. Um, less stress on baby. 
could be hypertension or preeclampsia. Um, if it gets to be a concern, um, a life or death situation um, that we're concerned it might get to that point, we can plan a cesarean. Um, we might also have personal reasons very similar to induction mm -hmm. that you're ready for baby to be here. You're, you're done being pregnant. You're ready for baby to be here. Um, and lots of different factors as to why you might pick a cesarean over an induction. Um, it could be that you had a previous cesarean and you feel more comfortable doing another cesarean rather than attempting a VBAC, vaginal birth after or after cesarean. In uh, multiple births, uh, multiple babies, if you have twins or triplets, um, sometimes a vaginal delivery may not be an option depending on baby's positions. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of baby's positions, maybe baby is breech and you don't have a provider who, or you're not comfortable doing a vaginal delivery, or you have a provider who isn't trained to do a breech delivery. Um, so then you do a cesarean. That is a long list, Madison. It is a long list. Can I, I'm pretty sure I left out quite a bit. <laughs> that's possible. That is definitely possible. It is not an exhaustive list. No. Um, you know, one of the things you mentioned was a large baby. So let me put that in perspective real quick. Please you do. do. Have, yes. Um, so Asterisks. what they consider a large baby <laughs> is a, a baby that weighs eight pounds or 13 ounces or larger. And that is actually only 8%. Get that 8%, not eight zero eight zero eight percent of the nation's delivery um, would be in that size range. Um, that is considered macrosomia. And it's, it's really not that common, honestly, that your, your baby cannot go through the vaginal canal. Um, now there is something that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologies, um, 1%, one, <laughs> so 1% of the nation's babies are larger than nine pounds and nine ounces. That's actually the macrosomia, I believe, not the eight pounds, uh, 13 ounces. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, so you have a 99% chance of your baby not being that big. <laughs> that is yeah. that is a huge difference in the percentage. Um, Absolutely. And even if your baby is that big, you can still have a vaginal birth. And Absolutely. I say that with full experience and knowledge. My second baby was nine pounds and 13 ounces. And I had a unmedicated vaginal birth. You can do it if that is what you want. You just need to be a little more prepared for it and get in a position where, um, where your sacrum is actually able to move and where your hips and your pelvic bone, this lovely thing here is actually able to open and widen for baby to come through. So your sacrum and coccyx need to be able to move out and the wings, your, um, I'm totally drawing a blank. Ischial spines. Yes. Thank you. Your ischial spines. <laughs> of course, I just went over this too with my yoga class, but anyway, your ischial spine, your ischial ischium needs to be able to move and open up. You know where you can be to do that? You can be on your knees. You can yep. be on your side. You can be lying on your side. You can be standing. You can be in a squat. 
all of these positions helped open those spaces to allow for a, what they consider a macrosomia baby to go through your birth canal. Mm -hmm. It is Absolutely. not impossible to have what they consider a large baby mm -hmm. vaginally. It's also important to remember that weight um, measurements through ultrasound are, there's a large um, room for error in there. Yes, um, huge room for error. Huge. They um, are 40% accurate, I believe. Something like that, yeah. Um, they're usually off by almost, an, they, the, their, their room for error is off by almost margin of, what is it? There's a word, margin. Sonogram. They can be off by almost an entire pound, lower yep. or higher. So if they're estimating that your baby is over nine pounds, it's very possible that your baby could be eight, maybe even seven pounds um, because that, that margin of error, that's what it is. Margin of error is so large. Google's telling me 15%, but I don't feel like that's accurate. I really don't. I've heard Ooh. a much higher number. Yeah, that seems pretty low. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is possible. The margin for error is 10% of the actual weight. No, 15%, sorry. All scans within the accepted 15% margin of error. So 95% of scans have, uh, are incorrect. <laughs> right. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. So it, that means that if you're, if they're estimating a nine pound baby, it can be off by nine ounces one way or the other. So yeah. if they're estimating a nine pound baby, that might actually mean that you have an eight pound, three ounce baby or eight pound, five ounce baby. Absolutely. Which is well within normal range of a newborn being born. Um, so Madison also mentioned a baby that is too small. One of the questions I frequently ask is then why would we give, why would we induce to give birth if you think the baby is too small? Right. Um, the main reason is the projected growth of the baby is stunted. They don't expect the baby to get much larger, which means the baby isn't getting enough nutrients. Um, so there might be something wrong with the cord, might be something wrong with the placenta. Maybe it's just, it's, it can't, I don't know, something's going on that isn't allowing the baby to grow at the normal rates. Yeah. Um, now that's not to say that there's, again, a margin for error in that. Absolutely. You know, if, if you have no other signs or symptoms of anything being wrong, and the only thing we have is that sonogram, that's a good discussion to have with your doctor right there. Well, why do you think this is necessary? What are the benefits? Will my baby have to be in the NICU? How long will my baby have to be in the NICU? Um, what could possibly be the potential reason? You know, whatever question you can come up with, those yeah. are questions to ask your doctor. Yeah. Um, what would be the risks of waiting and letting yeah. baby cook a little bit longer? Yeah. You know, for all we know, maybe baby was just in a bad position and they got the wrong measurement or something. And baby's actually growing at a great rate. You know, could you do another sonogram? Would that be within the realm of possibility mm -hmm. or of um, benefit to you and the baby? You know, let's get a second diagnosis. Let's make sure before we do this induction and potentially have a baby that has to go to the NICU. Um, Absolutely. So, because one of the best places for baby to be 
until labor is started is in the womb. So um, one of the other things that Madison mentioned is hypertension, also known as, um, I just said it earlier. <laughs> Why am I drawing a blank? Pre, uh, um, Okay, I can help you in gestational diabetes. Uh, no, <laughs> that's not right. That's not the hypertension. Um, preeclampsia. There you go. Gosh, thank you. I was like, I swear I said it too, but maybe that's not what she was talking about. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, preeclampsia. <laughs> also known as hypertension in prenatal um, and during pregnancy. So, you know, that has some severe complications. It can. Doctors sometimes like to schedule an induction or cesarean due to some signs of preeclampsia. So again, have a conversation. If you don't want an induction or a cesarean, have that conversation with your doctor about risks versus benefits. Um, you know, would it become an emergent cesarean if we decided to wait as long as possible? You know, you don't want it to be emergent if you don't have to have it that way. Right. So, and then you also have gestational diabetes, which actually can cause the baby to grow a little on the larger side. So then they're going to throw around the words of macrosomia and diabetic and all of these other things. Um, and it, it helps to have some knowledge and information so that when you're asking these questions, you can get a clear answer and not just the answer they want you to have in order to get you to schedule a cesarean yes. <laughs> or induction. Yes. Yeah. So lots of reasons why you might want an induction, specifically some health reasons, um, some health concerns, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to schedule one. It doesn't mean this is the end all be all just because you're showing that you have signs of these gestational diseases. Yes, absolutely. You still have choices. You still have options. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like you know what your options are, or you feel like you don't have options, talk to your doctor, talk to your provider, ask questions, let them know your concerns. Um, don't necessarily let them tell you what's going to happen. And then you go home and be worried about it. Talk to them, tell them you're worried, tell them you're concerned. Um, and if you don't have a doctor that you feel like you can bring up your concerns, maybe consider finding one that you can. You, you need to have someone that you trust as your provider. Absolutely. Totally agree with that wholehearted. Um, so let's talk about emergence. What can you find something else to watch for now? And I will come up and help you find PJ Mask in a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, you know, what are some reasons why we might have an emergent? Most of the time that is going to be in delivery, um, during your labor process, you might find that you have an emergent need for a cesarean, such as baby's heart tones are dropping and they're not staying up. Maybe your blood pressure has risen or has dropped and they can't get that stable for whatever reason. Yeah. Something that's not necessarily medical, maybe a car crash as awful as it sounds, maybe you fell and you landed on your stomach 
and now you're having some some issues. Um, those are awful, scary scenarios. I'm scary so scenarios. sorry. <laughs> I don't want to get those in your mind, but <laughs> what, Madison? I said it's important to talk about. Because it is. It is. I mean, you, you have things in real life that happen um, that can cause you to need a, an emergency uh, an emergency cesarean section. Um, now, that's not to say that it's all it's going to happen or that it won't happen. Who knows? You know, life is life. It, it's so random. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yes. Yes. So random and beautiful. Um, but you know, you do have lots of reasons why you might have an emergency cesarean needed. And as Madison had mentioned either in this video or in an earlier video, I think it was during the vaginal video. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not this one. If oh, you good. have a medicated, if you've been going through a medicated vaginal birth and you have an epidural already placed, mm -hmm. then they won't put you to sleep. For an emergency cesarean. However, right. if you are in an emergency situation and you do not already have a epidural or spinal in place, they will put you to sleep for the emergency cesarean. Yes. Um, you know, with an emergency that already has an epidural placed, you still have the option to do a family centered cesarean, albeit quickly. So yes. you may not have everything in the family centered, um, also known as gentle cesarean, but you can have a few of those things. You can still take your music back with you. They can still mm -hmm. dim the lights. You can still have a clear drape if that's what you want. You can still have your family member with you um, if in an emergency, in an emergency situation, yes. depending on how emergent it is. Of course. Right, right, absolutely. Um, and in an emergency situation, you may not have the option depending on what the reason for going back to the emergency situation or the emergency section, um, you may not have all of those baby centered options for that, that gentle cesarean, such as delayed cord clamping skin to skin, um, because most likely in an emergent situation, baby's going to be going to the NICU and um, you may have, as the, the mother or the birth parent, you may have some complications as well. So you may have to be in surgery for a little bit longer after baby's born as well, mm -hmm. um, prevent of those options, um, those baby centered options, but, um, it really just kind of depends on what the reason for the cesarean is and whether it's urgent or emergent, because they do have urgent cesareans where you have to go back really quickly, but it's not necessarily life or death where everyone right. has to run. Right. Definitely. Those, that's a really good term, um, differentiation. Yes, yes. I, I, I learned that while in a labor and delivery um, unit, I was um, shadowing with a nurse and they ended up, one of the other patients had an urgent and um, I'm trying to remember, if I remember correctly, there was actually a small um, alarm that would go off when they had to do an emergent situation or emergency section. Um, and this one had been urgent, so the alarm was a little different, um, but the nurse explained to me that in an urgent cesarean, you can walk. In an emergent cesarean, you run. Yeah. Um, and so that's that was kind of how they differentiated that to me at the moment. <laughs> yes, I and I, I've had a client where 
it was an urgent situation. So the father had time to get his gown on. He had time to put his shoes on, put his hat on, you know, and then once she was prepped and then he was prepped, they walked him back. Um, And again, it's, it's definitely the difference of walking. Do your family members get a chance to come back and support you um, versus emergency or not? You know, do you have that epidural placed already? And if so, you know, are they going to have to place one if you don't? And if not, you know, if you already have it, then, you know, do they need to up it? That's one less thing that they have to worry about. That's one less thing to do. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk family centered. We are getting up on the time, which I figured we would. (laughs) See, we told you we could fill a whole video just about cesareans. That's right. And you thought, no way. (laughs) And we're like, oh yeah, yes way. We could totally fill a 20, 30 minute video. Definitely. (laughs) Okay. So let's, I'm going to share my screen really quick because I found this fantastic picture on the vbacklink.com. It is great about it. And it's a great image to show when we're talking about the clear drape. You know, people think clear drape, well, I don't want to see anything. This gives you a really good idea of what that clear drape actually looks like and how it's still a very muted view. Yes. Um, She still has, if you look at this picture, you can still see, she probably can't see much at all, honestly. Right. Um, From her vantage point, she's seeing mainly blankets. Sorry, I didn't mean to move that. She's seeing mainly blankets and this lower part of the drape. That's not been flattened enough for her to truly see through, but I would assume she can lift her head and still see her baby here. Yes, she should Um, be. Yeah, she can see the doctors. Now, if I were in this situation and I didn't know this, I would say, oh, no, I don't want a clear drape. But seeing this and seeing what that might actually look like, I'd be like, you know what? I think I would want a clear drape. I'd want to see as much as I could. Absolutely. More so than a floating head. You know, yes. I'm feeling those tuggings, you know, at least I could maybe see arms moving and be like, oh, okay. I felt that tug. He just moved his arm this way. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what it was, or he just pushed right here. And now I can kind of at least connect. I can connect the dots of what I'm feeling with, um, what I'm seeing. Whereas yeah. if you have a totally opaque drape, you it's, it's harder to connect with what's happening. Um, because you, you will, if you have an epidural or a spinal, um, you will feel pressure when baby is actually born because they, um, will be pushing at the top of your uterus to help expel baby through the incision. Um, and so they'll tell you that you're going to feel a lot of pressure. Um, and sometimes it can be very, very disorienting to feel that and not be able to see it. Right. Um, Especially when the bottom half of you is completely numb. Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of equating it with, um, you know, getting car sick. I don't know how many people out there do get car sick. I didn't used to, I've, I, but I have more motion sickness, the older I get, it seems, which is weird, but <laughs> you know, I find that I have less symptoms when I can see the movement, you can have less detachment and less, um, anxiety I feel if you can see what's happening Absolutely. now you might be the type of person who's like no if I see what's happening it's going to give me anxiety <laughs> you know think yeah. of it as if you're getting a shot or getting blood taken I'm the kind of person that I need to see it happening so that I can say okay now I here's the prick and yeah. I'm prepared for it 
And yeah. if I don't see it, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to jump. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're going to be like, sit still. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I want you to tell me if there's something I need to know, like, hey, you're going to feel pressure or, okay, you're going to have a little poke, but I don't want to see it. I trust that you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's different. I'm personally, if I were in a cesarean situation, I wouldn't want the clear drape because I don't, I don't need that connection. Um, but it's, it's nice to have that option. Yeah. That's the whole point of having the option. That's, mm-hmm. that is the whole point, you know, there, it was found in some studies and I can't pinpoint them. I don't know the percentages, but I know it was found as that correlation of, um, postnatal mood disorders, you know, postpartum mood disorders. That was part of the correlation of we're seeing some of these rise and increase. Well, what was that connection? That connection was a cesarean. And well, what, what can we do in a cesarean to help reduce that? Well, let's, let's let some people see if that's, if that's what's going to help them and help them connect with the birth of their baby and connect with their story. Um, I think that's really important to have that as a choice, to have that as that option, whether you find that beneficial for you or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Another aspect of a gentle cesarean or a family-centered cesarean um, is playing music at your birth. You know, you can play music during a labor, but why not during a cesarean? So, excuse me, they've given that option to play music. Yeah. Excuse me, gosh. Music can play such a, such an emotional part of our lives and can drastically change how your body reacts to stimuli. And so if we're in a, in an OR, we're naturally going to be a little bit more stressed than if we weren't in an OR. Um, even if we're comfortable with this decision, even if we're um, completely happy and confident and everyone's healthy and everything's going well, it's still a difficult situation to be in sometimes because it's not warm and cozy and comfortable and it's not your bed. It's not, it's an operating table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anything that we can do to bring comfort into that space, music, is so important. Um, And a lot of times doctors will listen to their music during procedures anyway. Mm -hmm. So I have been in cesarean deliveries where doctors pick their own music. Um, And it's always been interesting to me that they got to pick, but not the the mother. Um, And so now, you know, we have this option to be like, can can she pick the music? Can she have her music? Mm -hmm. Um, And it can drastically change how what that experience is like. Yeah. And change your postpartum experience as well. You know, Absolutely. that's what this is all about. That's what all of these options are about in both vaginal birth and cesarean birth. The fact that you can make that choice is empowering and that empowerment reduces the risk for postpartum mood disorders, whether that's depression, anxiety, um, psychosis, any of those things, um, even ones that we don't know exist yet. Right. That helps these choices and knowing that you have these choices and can make these choices helps reduce 
your risk for any of those. Um, you know, something that's on this list from the VBAC link that I never would have thought was an option. Um, and it, it clearly says it is rare, but this has been done, <laughs> was letting the birthing parent actually assist in bringing the baby out. They will lower the drape, so they'll pull it down and they will sterilize the parent's arms, mom's arms, dad's arms, you know, whomever's giving birth. And they will guide those, that parent's arms and hands to baby and let them bring the baby up. I don't know if this is an option for the support person. So maybe dad's in the room and maybe dad wants to catch, but it's, it's got that connotation of if I'm having a vaginal birth and I wanted to catch and I have to go back to a cesarean for whatever reason, maybe I still want to catch. Yeah. And this is how they allow you to do that. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I never thought that was an option. And yeah. for that to be on this list, it just, it blows my mind. Um, yeah. If you want to catch your baby, talk to your doctor about it. Let them know that this is something that is important to you because yeah. they could say yes. They could. They could yeah. say yes. And they, they say it's rare because of that sterile field, because mm -hmm. it is still a procedure, um, but it's, it's possible and you'll never know unless you ask. That's right. You will never know unless you ask. Um, something else that you have the option for, again, this is also based on your scenario, based on what's happening and how quickly they need to move baby, um, but you can do a delayed cord clamping or milking the cord in a way. So it's becoming more standard to have delayed cord clamping up to 30 seconds during a vaginal birth. And they're starting to show that it has benefits. So if you want a delayed cord clamping, you can still talk about that with your doctor. Um, most of the time we recommend three to five minutes or until the cord stops pulsating and turns white, which, you know, I've, I've seen happen usually within about two minutes sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty quick. Um, so that's still an option. Absolutely. Pretty awesome. You didn't know. <laughs> How do Amazing. you know? Unless you know. Right. Yeah. You'll never know unless you ask. You never know unless you ask. You can also ask that the vernix stays on the baby. So you don't give baby a bath. Um, you don't have them wipe baby down. You know, you want to protect that microbiome and help the baby have as easy of a transfer into earth side as possible. And having the vernix on the baby can do that. Absolutely. Um, so they're beginning to give that as an option for a cesarean birth. You know, it was always an option for vaginal. Now it's an option for cesarean. Um, something else that it's farther down on this list, but I feel like it makes more sense to talk about it now is what they call vaginal seeding or yes. the cotton swab procedure. Um, so, you know, during a vaginal birth, your baby's going through the vaginal birth canal and getting the microbiome that your body has mm -hmm. to give the baby their own, you know, to help them build that. It jump starts their immune system. Yes, it's jump starting the immune system. It's jump starting their gut health so that they have the proper, the, the good bacteria in the gut that helps break down food properly. Um, it's, it's huge. It's a big one. And they're just learning about it. You know, the study that came out with this was only five, it's only about five years old, maybe coming up on six now. Um, they call it vaginal seeding or the cotton swab. Um, so 
it sounds really weird, yes. <laughs> but the baby doesn't go through the birth canal. Instead, baby's going through your stomach. So he's not, he or she is not then getting this vaginal seeding, so to speak. They're not getting that microbiome. How can we get the baby the microbiome? Well, let's put a cotton swab in your vagina. And then after the baby's birth, you take the cotton swab out of the vagina and you rub it on your baby. Don't worry. It's not going to smell weird. It's not going to smell gross. You won't even notice really. It's just, it smells like you. Um, The baby's already covered in amniotic fluid and and blood and vernix and all of that. So yeah, it's just the normal addition. It's what helps give baby that newborn smell. That's so addictive. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, it, it, it just helps connect with your baby. That's what that's for. Um, It helps with bonding too. It helps with the bonding. Yeah. And it it does sound really weird. It does. Not going to lie. It sounds There are benefits. Lots of benefits to it. Um, You can still do immediate skin to skin in after a cesarean birth, especially a planned one. You can do an immediate skin to skin. Um, You know, if, if in its emergent or urgent cesarean, you might have to wait 45 to 60 minutes while they do their procedures, make sure baby's breathing, you know, do all that normal stuff that they have to do. I say normal, it's not really normal, but you know, it's, it's normal after cesarean. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, but for the most part, you can still get that immediate skin to skin or um, immediate breastfeeding with your baby. Yeah. And depending on the hospital, um, some hospitals won't allow the uh, the birth parent or the mother to do the skin to skin just because they are on an operating table and sometimes their arms are strapped down. Um, a lot of times now we're seeing um, free free moving arms. Um, one of the reasons they strap your arms down is for that IV. Um, but we're now seeing you can have one arm, the one that doesn't have the IV. You can do that. Um, the concern with doing skin to skin while you're on the operating table is someone has to hold baby for you. Um, and so some, some hospitals are still not allowing the, the mother, the birth parent to be the one doing skin to skin, but they will allow partner to do skin to skin as long as baby is okay mm-hmm. and healthy and um, all of that good stuff. So again, it's one of those things to ask who can do skin to skin immediately. And if you as the mother or the birth parent want to do it and they allow it, that's awesome. Can I have one arm free while you strap the other arm down? Yeah. Can I have both arms free? You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. Mm-hmm. Nothing and even hurts if, to ask. Exactly. And even if you're not planning on doing immediate skin to skin, you still have the option to ask if your arms can be free. Yeah. And not strapped down. That, that could absolutely trigger some trauma for some people. Absolutely. I, I think that would probably trigger some trauma for me. And I don't even know what trauma it would trigger. Um, <laughs> I would definitely be uncomfortable. That's for sure. Yeah. I would not be comfortable with it. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't necessarily trigger some trauma, but it would give me some trauma. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't want my arms strapped down. It's something that I would probably be pretty adamant on. Um, if I had to do that, that's my personal, you know, that's me. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's not to say it's it will for everyone affect you. Um, but they are, you know, I, I want to be careful with this one because COVID does still play a huge factor. Um, but hospitals are beginning to allow a support person in the operating room. They're allowing them back, thankfully, instead of you having to go in there by yourself. Yes. Now, if, 
if this is a true emergency and they have to put you to sleep, they will not allow a support person in there. Um, They will make that person wait in the waiting room because A, there's not enough time to get them ready and B, they figure you're asleep. (laughs) You're not there. You don't need the support now, which I, maybe the support piece, maybe the support person needs the support, you know, but there is a, there is a different, um, sterilization procedure that that goes along with general anesthetic, um, which is usually why the support person can't go in, um, if you're going under, um, it can also, you also have to be anytime that you go under general anesthesia, you have to be intubated, um, which can be traumatic for non-medical personnel, especially a support person to see their loved one intubated. Absolutely. Um, That can be very traumatizing. Yes. Um, And in an emergency situation, you probably don't want someone back there anyway, potentially needing to be taken care of if it's a fainting situation, potentially. Um, And an emergent, they're not putting up the drape mm -hmm. um, because someone is... um, the, the, the mother, the birth parents not awake. So they don't put the drape up. It saves so much time in an emergent situation. Baby can be born in under 60 seconds. Yep. Um, if you add in all these other factors of getting the birth, the partner dressed and ready, doing all the sterilization, putting up the, the drape, even if you're still taking away the epidural portion of it, there's still so many more steps that need to happen. Um, in order to allow that support person in, that baby could have been born long before um, if they didn't have yeah. to take those steps. It can take an extra, it can take up to 20 to 30 minutes um, for just an urgent or planned cesarean yeah. um, to prepare all of that. So Whereas emergency can be under a minute. Yes. And that's a big difference. I mean, that's huge when you're talking um a potentially life-saving procedure. Absolutely. In situation. So those are the main things in a gentle cesarean. You still have lots of options should you need it. Um, You know, this was a long one. Sorry, guys. We're about 40 minutes in, I think. And maybe come back. (laughs) But I hope you were able to stay through the whole thing or have been able to come back because we did give a lot of valuable information um, that, that can help you in determining your birth plan. And I really encourage that even if you want an unmedicated vaginal birth, think about these things, Absolutely. consider them and put them on your birth plan. Just because you put it on there doesn't mean a, it's going to happen. And doesn't mean B that they're going to say, oh, well, she's okay with this. So let, let's just move it this way. Right. It's right. more about you being knowledgeable about your choices and that you're showing you've done the research, you know what you want, you're open to something should it need to be changed, but you know that you're comfortable with these options. And based on the research you've done, you can make an educated choice, an educated decision, um, which again is empowering. That right there is huge for your mental health after having a baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. No regrets, guys. We don't want regrets. That's okay. what we're here for. We're not, we're not here to guarantee we don't end up in a worst case scenario. We're here to make that worst case scenario a little bit better. Yeah. And hopefully reduce that worst case scenario. You know, 
for Absolutely. a lot of people, a worst case scenario isn't necessarily the cesarean. They might think it's the cesarean, but it's not truly the cesarean that's the worst case scenario. It's right. feeling out of control. It's feeling without like power. Things, yeah, no power. You have no power. You have no control. It's it's that feeling of things are being done to me and choices are being taken away from me. Yep. Those we are the things we want to avoid. Yeah, we don't want that. No. We don't want that. We will do everything in our power to give you the power so that yeah. you have choices in your life. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, now that I've made Madison giddy. <laughs> um, it doesn't take much. No, it doesn't. That's that's what we're passionate about. That's why we're doulas. You know, we're passionate about giving you choices and making sure that your choices are heard and respected. Yeah. Um, you can have a traumatic birth, even with a doula. I'm so sorry to say that, you know, even just, just because we're there, it doesn't make trauma not happen. Um, but we're here to help you process it if it does. Yeah. We're here to help you process it. We're here to hopefully reduce the trauma. You know, if you feel loved and supported during a traumatic experience, your trauma is already going to be reduced and you're already going to be able to manage it more than if you didn't feel loved and supported and respected and as empowered as we can make you feel. So that's what we're, that's why we're there. You know? yeah. yeah. And we take some of that trauma too, unfortunately, I mean, we take it on. We care about our clients mm -hmm. with, with all of our heart. I mean, yeah. this, this is so much more than just a job um, to do list. I mean, your, your doula got into that profession because they care and they want to take care of people. Um, and when we can't stop all the bad from happening, we feel it. We feel it very deeply. Mm -hmm. We do. Sadly, it's a fact of life, you know, and um, it's something that we all learn the hard way multiple times. <laughs> but that's just a consequence of loving what we do and loving who we care for it because is. we truly love our clients. And I equate it also to parenting, you know, I, I can't wrap my child in a, in a bubble and expect their life to be perfect. I can't wrap my client in a bubble and expect their birth to be perfect. Yeah. You know, I can't make those choices for you. You have to make the choice. My children have to make the choice. The most I can do is give you the information and provide you the tools. Absolutely. You have to do the rest. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us today for afternoon tea. We're going to end there and, um, you know, we hope to see you again next week. Jump yeah. back on with us. <laughs> I'm hey, Brittany. I'm Madison. And we're with Casey Women's Ministry. Thank you all again. Love you. Bye.